steps into it, pass is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! To the Unbelievable Podcast. I'm BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, well, we come bearing bad news. Um, unfortunately, the Minnesota Vikings dropped the game as we, you know, were scared they might um, against the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals um, this past weekend uh, by a score of 27 to 24 in overtime. So we're going to spend the entire show today recapping that. Obviously, there's some hard points that we're trying to hit on here. There were some good things, and we did get some kind of more information about this team and kind of the direction that they may be heading. Um, so we'll hit on a couple of things here and then we'll get you out of here in about 30 minutes or so. So that's the game plan for today. So um, let's get it started. Um, we always start with the quarterback um, mm-hmm. because I mean, first and foremost, um, we're going to be critical of Kirk cousins, but um, it starts and ends with Kirk cousins. So if this team loses, I mean, the box score may look nice, uh, but ultimately, the headline at the top says 27-24 Cincinnati. He's going to be criticized regardless. Um, I'm not saying the box score numbers don't look good. Um, they really do. You know, 36 for 49, 351, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Sounds great on paper, right? Yeah, it it, it does. Um, and that's the issue with uh, kind of trying to evaluate Kirk Cousins and what he is um, because it's – you know, it's been this sort of meme, right? That like he, he always guys the box score numbers. He's what? What is that stat about? Um, Twenty-five touchdowns passing six years in a row, or something like that. He's one of like five ever to do it, or something. Right. Um, he finds a way to put those numbers together. Um, part of that is being healthy all the time, um, and part of that is his teams are often in situations that they need to be throwing the ball. Which right. you looking deeper into that is that because it's there's no defense on his side. Is that because um, he's having bad games? What is that? Um, in this circumstance, this game against Cincinnati, uh, you look at that first half, uh, really the first three quarters, and my goodness, the offense was just discombobulated. And there was, you know, there's a lot of reasons to go around. We'll get to a couple of those reasons um, that were maybe outside of Kirk Cousins. But I think he in particular, there's a couple of things that you, you watch the game and you kind of, I mean, the I, I was just so annoyed with the 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 pocket presence. Like he right. like right. he he could not he wasn't moving from that one spot where he you know you do your three step drop and you sit there you look you look you look and uh, any other functioning quarterback would think to move a little bit if throwing angle's not there, you know if the angle for the pass isn't there what have you, um, he just wouldn't do it. Or if the pass uh, the pass rush was backing up into him to you know, throw off his rhythm and he just refused to move at all. And when he did move, it was too late. And by that time there was Bengal defenders swallowing him up. So um, that's, you know, and again, I'm not going to, there was the penalties, there was a pass protection, there's context that goes into this, but ultimately Kirk cousins was not good for three quarters. And I think that was, that was, it was, it was a large contributing factor to the reason the Vikings were down two touchdowns and needed to come on this comeback rally. Um, So I, I don't know what I would, you know, if there's a blame 
pie chart. I'm not sure what I would put Kirk Cousins in his kind of section of that chart. Um, but it was it was not good. Uh, a lot of things went wrong offensively to start that game. He was certainly one of them. The pocket presence becomes that much more frustrating too, just when you see what Kyler Murray did this weekend, or you know, if you're paying attention to you know Russell Wilson, or I mean, even Tom Brady on Thursday night, you know, the pocket presence thing, it gets that Joe much Burrow. more annoying. <laughs> Joe, yeah, Joe Burrow, perfect, right? Yeah, and just kind of the the situational awareness as well. Um, so first and foremost, with the stat line, uh, it is important to account for the fact that yes. Uh, the penalties weren't necessarily Kirk's fault. Uh, they were primarily the offensive line's fault, you know, with the false starts, the holding yeah. penalties, et cetera. Uh, a lot of his numbers are somewhat inflated because they were making up damage they created themselves, right? You know, the Vikings add 20, 30 yards to their drive um, because they're backing themselves up 20, 30 yards, you know, here and there. Yeah. Um, ridiculous penalty numbers. That was just absurd. And, you know, that's one thing that you Ten can't for blame Kirk Cousins on. Or 90 or something. In I the think first, it was 12, man. I'm pretty sure it was 12 half, penalties. Ended up being 12, I believe. Yeah. It. So, you know, in total, I mean, it's just a, it's something that, you know, we can't pin that on Cousins alone. It's, again, mostly the offensive line, but also defensively, not, not necessarily the greatest in that regard either. Um, but as a whole, like, it's hard to win when you have that many penalties, right? Like when you're in the double digits and like you're constantly right. and that's being why, pushed backward or forward. Like, that's why the context is important to add here. Right. Cause like, you know, we, we, we want to, I don't want to say we want to blast Kirk cause we never want to do that. Um, but this offense was just miserable to watch for um, three quarters. You know, the pass protection wasn't awesome. Um, and the penalties obviously sucked. And again, I do think some of that blame needs to also go to Kirk because you're, you, you're the captain of the offense. Like that's your job to make sure everybody, right knows the snap count and you know there's no illegal formations or false starts or whatever like those types of things to some degree as quarterback you got to be like all right guys like come on let's let's figure this out let's pay attention whatever the case might be um and then i just it was the the offense as a whole was incredibly stale and there's other factors that go into that we'll get to play calling in a little bit but Kirk was just, it was, it was tough to watch for a while. He was very uncomfortable in that first quarter and a half. And to his credit, he kind of, he pulled it back when he needed to, right? He, uh, when the Vikings really needed him to make throws right. in the regulation, he did right. uh, made a couple of, threw a couple of seeds in there. Um, that one to Conklin in that final drive was awesome right. uh, down the seam. So, you know, there was certainly some good things, but you, you can't play a quarter of good football and expect to win. So, right. and he played essentially three quarters of pretty, you know, average, mediocre, or below that football. And most of the time, that's not going to be good enough. So that's uh, that's kind of my assessment of Kirk. You know, it's, he uh, puts up the numbers. That's great. The box score numbers, I don't care about those. Um, you know, when it's, when it's third and eight and you really need to make the big play when the pocket's collapsing and you got to find that angle, find that whatever it is, he's not going to do that. He had many opportunities to do that, make that kind of play where he lifts the team on his back and keeps the drive alive and he's just he's never going to do that and i think that's where that's where we as fans um, and maybe critics of kirk are kind of um that's what that kind of we've been standing on the table pounding the table for trying to make that point all year and we saw it the first three quarters of this game so it's 12 for 112 penalties for 116 yards by the way is the final figure there uh, I believe there was also it was a total of 17 penalties called in the Vikings of course five of those were declined um 
So those are the final penalty numbers that mm-hmm. Kirk's working with. You know, you can make the assessment for yourself. Cousins did some things great towards the end of the game, but I think ultimately the point that you just made that you can't play great football for only one quarter, 25% of the game, or 25% of regulation, I guess I should say, um, in these circumstances, and expect to win the football game. To, to even be there at the end took um, – by Minnesota standards, a miracle from Greg Joseph, a 53 yarder at the end yeah. of regulation, uh, just to get to a point where you had a chance to win, right? Or even a chance to tie. Um, so Cousins, in my opinion, solid, didn't do enough though. And that's ultimately the difference between good and great. Like, was he yeah. good? Yeah, he was He was pretty good, at, especially when it mattered most. Like, he got it done when we were all saying, like, you got to get it done. You got to give him credit for that. Uh, yeah, but ton of credit for that. Like that's right. that, those last couple of drives. Uh, first of all, how about Zach Taylor going for it on fourth and one from his own <laughs> thirty? And I mean, that was that kind of started the whole comeback in a way. It was like, right. it's like, oh, they're going to do this. So, um, but yeah, that was I, I didn't love it. There at were all. some things that he couldn't control, but the things that he could, I, I'm not. I can't give him an A grade. So, not everything's on Cousins. Obviously, you have the Dalvin Cook penalty. Um, I don't want to get fumble. deep into yeah the fumble. Or excuse me, that's what I meant. Um, and Unfortunately, there's a couple calls here that are debatable to say, I guess, to say the least, you know, I'm not going to argue with what happened there. Like the fumble itself. Problem is that, you, know, you shouldn't need officiating help to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. I, exactly. So. Exactly. That's the that's the marked point there. So um, one player who did help Kirk Cousins offensively um, throughout the evening or throughout the afternoon, I should say, uh, was K.J. Osborne, who kind of established mm-hmm. himself as that wide receiver three um, for the Vikings, or at least in terms of target share. He uh, re- Target you know, share, snaps, all that. He was, that and it was, it was interesting because you kind of heard this hubbub, you know, the Saturday and Sunday leading into the game. It was, you know, you hear from like, like your Paul Allen, your K-Fan guys that D.D. Westbrook's going to have this big role. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I was expecting. And then they get in there and K.J. Osborne, first of all, they ran a ton of 11 personnel. Uh, a ton of three receiver sets um, kind of must've felt like they needed to do that with the Irv Smith injury. And I think Osborne had nine targets, um, which yep. I know Kirk threw a lot, but I believe the nine targets was tied for second. I think he went yeah, feeling 10 Jefferson. Osborne Jefferson. Uh, so that's clearly he's your third receiver. Um, and so I, I like it. He seemed to be a pretty solid player. He made a couple of really big catches. I think he had a fourth down one that was huge to keep a drive alive right after the catch as well. Yeah. The and ball that, in that, his hands, that, uh, that punt return mentality that he's always yeah, had. Yeah. That th- what he had, there was a third and 24 that yeah. <laughs> dumped it down to like a five yard, you know, depth of pass. He broke Another tackle, reason like, took Kirk, it, by the way, took Just... it down for the first down. So yeah, exactly. That was, um, that was annoying, but, uh, no, I think KJ's he's he seems to be that third guy, so credit to him because I think last year, all I mean, most Vikings are like get rid of this guy, you know, right? And now he seems that, to be, to be honest. Uh, he seems to be, you know, a pretty solid contributor for this offense right now. Yeah, the evolution of, of him as a receiver, right? We always knew that he was great if the ball stayed in his hands. The problem with him was is that we got mad at him as a punt returner because. He wasn't catching it 100% mm-hmm. of the time, which is just unfortunate because once the ball is in his hands, I mean, you see the type of plays that he can make. Now, some of that is uh, just a major blunder by Cincinnati, especially on that third and, what, 20-plus play that we were talking about before. Yeah. Uh, some of that is on Cincinnati just straight up screwing oh, yeah. up. But the fact that he is dangerous with the ball in his hands, I mean, that gives you true bona fide playmakers in Jefferson and Osborne. Of course, Delvin Cook out of the backfield, you know, as he continues to be, you know, eval- get more and more kind of uh, – feel for the football this season. Uh, and then of course you got Adam Thielen, who's continues to be a great red zone target. So you have a legitimate, you know, three, four punch offense here. If Osborne continues to give you 
you know, what he what, what he got le- yesterday. I mean, you can make an argument that Osborne was, you know, more had a greater impact on the game than Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. I, you can make that argument. No, I mean, we don't, I don't know if we say that if Jay, if they they correctly call Jefferson Jeffrey, you long do have play to, a touchdown, but you do have to keep in mind that Jefferson sets up that touchdown. But Osborne was also a big factor in that drive as well. Yeah, um, and he kept drives alive that maybe shouldn't have been kept alive on. Yeah, I mean, he days. made a couple of nice contested catches too. That like over the middle where you oh, got yeah. defenders on top of you. So I was impressed with him a lot. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say the Vikings have their third receiver. The thing I've been harping on all year that the Vikings need to get one, but certainly a solid step in the right direction in terms of that there. Uh, really nice to see that Osborne. It's funny. He's wearing number 17 and he kind of played a little bit to Jarius Wright's kind of role and <laughs> sort of niche there. So uh, that was fun to see. And I hope it continues. Worth, a, worth noting here that D.D. Westbrook was not silenced. He did have the one important catch for 11 yards late in the game uh, to put on his stat sheet for the Vikings, his first with the Vikings, of course. Um, all right, so moving forward here, last piece on offense, then we're going to switch over to um, Joe Burrow and kind of the status of the NFC North. Uh, the play calling as a whole. I mean, Clint mm-hmm. Kubiak, it's his first game. Uh, we're going to be judging this guy basically from the start here. Uh, there's no resume to work off of. We have an idea of who he's going to be because of who his father was and who he's been kind of worked under throughout his career progression to this point. Uh, what do you, how do you feel about the play cal- calling? Like in terms of, you know, you're scoring 24 points. So not bad, not a bad introduction. It's kind of a mediocre to average defensive opponent though. You have to factor that in. Um, Overall, how do you feel about Clint Kubiak, how he starts off here? Obviously, he's going to be making adjustments and growing throughout the season, but the initial introduction to how he's going to be calling games for the Vikings, how do you feel? Where are you at? Yeah, that was a, that was a tough intro, um, especially that, again, out of the gate. We talked about how Kirk was kind of stale to start, and I think some of that was due to the uh, play calling, the game plan, the, the calls being made. And, you know, I, I kind of went through my – Twitter feed and I was, you know, talking with people that, you know, I trust that know what they're talking about. And it, it was a lot of, well, actually not a lot of play action, which is clearly what Kirk, you know, how he thrives. I was, how he was so efficient and successful in 2019, a lot of it in 2020 as well. Um, He's, you know, he's excellent in play action. It gets him into a rhythm. The Vikings, I think it was 11% of passing plays were play action yesterday compared to, I think it was like 27 or 28% last year. So um, clearly they're taking it away really what Kirk does best. Um, and that's just right away, right away. That's how you get the guy out of a rhythm. So, you know, we're, we're trying to provide the context all together here for sort of why Kirk was not great to start, but also, I mean, we're not trying to absolve Kirk from blame because clearly he, uh, we talked about his shortcomings, but I think, I don't think Clint made it easier on him. Um, and then you combine the penalties in there and, and that made it tougher for Clint too. So everything was out of rhythm early on and, uh, nobody, I mean, clearly nobody on that side of the ball was really ready for the regular season to start yesterday and it showed on the scoreboard there. So, um, I just, and so much kind of pretty stale concepts, um, with the ball, not a ton of, you know, jet sweep motion. Um, uh, you know, we had the trickery with Justin Jefferson throwing a pass, um, and then that it seemed fun. like, and then it seemed like Clint was like, all right, I got that out of the way. Now I can just go back to my conventional stuff. So <laughs> you kind of think you got to mix up a little bit more than that. Um, so I wasn't super impressed. Okay. So I think that's a fair overall assessment of Clint Kubiak. Um, I think the intricacies of the way that he called this game are really what it's going to annoy people. If it continues, um, I'm speaking mostly about, I think this is a kind of a fan wide issue that we all have. 
It's the first and 20 rush attempts. It's Mm -hmm. the second and 20 rush attempts. It's the situation where you don't have to fold yet. Like, I know you got a holding penalty, and this is especially true of yesterday, right? Because of how many different times the Vikings offense got backed up and they didn't take a shot, right? When you get backed up on first down, whether that's a holding there or you get backed up on second down and you get in a situation where you have to gain 20 yards, in theory, you're trying to cut that in half each time immediately right? <laughs> immediately so that you can get back to you know a sh- you know a third and maybe manageable third and long situation as opposed to a third and we don't have a play call in the playbook situation right it pisses me off and i think it pisses all of us off when you call a running play and i know the defense for this right because it's like yeah we trust alvin cook to being a guy that could get you six seven yards and put you back into a good situation i i'm with you that i think he does give you opportunity for those that chunk this yardage. Is, this is where we become analytics nerds where it's like, I mean, the average pass play goes for exactly way longer that's what than it's the all average about. run play. That's it doesn't all matter we if it's to talk about. the only re- time that's never been that it wasn't completely true was 2012 Ponder versus <laughs> Peterson. <laughs> and it was the same number, 6.0. Mm-hmm. Ponder was six yards of pass, Peterson was six yards of rush. Other than that, every team in the modern era of football has averaged more pass more yards per pass than run. It's pretty simple stuff. So I, I, I'm with you, the situational stuff. And again, it's tough as for anybody to be uh, efficient on offense when you have 20 yards to go all the time, like the Vikings did, but that's just, um, it was, it, that's annoying. And that was a, that was an issue last year too, with, uh, with Gary Kubiak, same thing. It was right. second and 11. Let's run Delvin cook uh, and get two yards. And it's still third and long, you know, right. um, that's stuff, especially when Kurt can be so, um, accurate pinpoint kind of get into a rhythm right. with that short, short stuff. He's great throw, at the intermediate you, stuff. You know, you throw Plants. a little stick, you throw a little stick route to the, to Tyler Conklin for six yards and you got third and five, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Instead of, uh, it just seems like more has to go right. Right. When you run the ball in those scenarios, it kind of sucks, but it just feels like a run play in that situation is giving up. And I think mm-hmm. all it does. It really does. Are frustrated with that. So that's not going to change. So if they continue to do this, you know, whether it works or not, I think we're all kind of going to be like, like you're still going to groan. Like with the KJ Osborne play, for example, the fact that Kirk didn't take a shot downfield. Like, and that yeah, was one of out. like eight circumstances yesterday where it was right. like third and long. Right. In theory, you have a chance to get this thing and keep the offense alive, right. keep the drive alive. Instead, you're checking down to, you know, Amir Abdullah for four yards or CJ right. ham out of the backfield for four yards or whatever the case might be um, a couple of times too, where receivers are, you know, it's third, six and receivers are running four yard routes. You know, it's like, you know, I, it just seems like a lot of times the Vikings don't really want to convert. It's like, all right, well, we want to make sure Kirk gets his completion percentage high enough, um, take the yards and then either try to settle for a field goal or whatever the case might be, maybe a closer punt. But um yeah, that, that part's annoying, and it doesn't seem like Clint is much different from Gary in that aspect, but then just the lower play ash percentage really kind of annoyed me too. Right. Yeah, it's just an overall kind of frustrating situation, especially considering that the Vikings had the ball for 35 minutes yesterday. It's not like they didn't have time to establish what they want to do. This is what I mean, they wanted you, you to you do. I mean, think about it this way. Like, Vikings had the ball for 35 minutes, won the possession, time of possession clearly. Kirk throws for 350 yards and no turnovers, two touchdowns. Um. That, stu- that type of stuff, you think, well, the Vikings destroyed the Bengals in this game. But you add in some context about these penalties and you add some context it's in really about the, the, the lack of execution and efficiency early in the game when it mattered. Um, plus the Vikings defense, which we'll get to here a little bit, talking about Burrow. But right. uh, defense didn't really show up. Well, they, they showed up. They 
they had a very measly game, I think. And, and all of a sudden the Vikings are losing to a Bengals team. That was four and 11 last year, I think. So uh, not great. Right. Right. You know, ultimately when it came down to it, you know, the Vikings were, the Vikings were six for 16 on third, you know, better two for two on fourth down. Um, and the defense operated well in those situations too. The, the Mike Zimmer kind of defensive, you know, genius on third down continues here three for 14. It kind of goes along with your kind of what you were saying. All the stats say Vikings win. Um, so what the hell happened? And really what it comes down to is it's those penalty yards. Um, that's really the difference here on paper. You probably don't go to overtime without those penalties. You know, a call goes your way. One of the two mm-hmm. kind of major calls, if one of those goes your way and you have that extra timeout or, you know, you just you straight up don't fumble the ball in that situation. You get to kick a field goal. Uh, I think the Vikings, you know, there's some bad luck here, but ultimately you didn't do enough to beat a team like, the, like you said. They're like they're like four and 12 last season. You, you got to beat teams like this if you think you're a contender. That really sucks. But you do run into the buzzsaw that is Joe Burrow, right? Uh, we talked about this. We did not. This podcast did not overlook Cincinnati. I said this on multiple occasions that it's this is a situation where they can compete with the Vikings offensively for sure right now. They have a great second year quarterback, mm-hmm. former number one overall pick. We weren't sure about how well he played with that injury, how you know, coming off of it. Um, but we did have, you know, a good feeling that he was going to be Joe Burrow again. Um, and that's exactly what you got, right? The professional approach, the free play shot that he took that we've been screaming at Vikings quarterbacks to take ever since, you know, at least what made it kind of memorable was Aaron Rodgers when he started doing it to the Vikings mm-hmm. in the mid 2010s. Uh, but Joe Burrow's taking kind of that free play. He ends up getting the penalty yardage and ends up, you know, punching it in and scoring. It's that veteran approach when he hasn't even played a full 16 or 17 game season yet. Uh, the Vikings kind of, I feel like we just ran into like kind of the first of many, you know, Joe Burrow, um, you know, kills basically uh, because I think he's going to be doing this for a while. Uh, I think this is, I think he's, you know, just starting out by, you know, overcoming the Vikings and, you know, that minus three spread, I suppose. Yeah. And I mean, so, and that's the thing about Burrow that I think, I mean, I think we also underestimate a little bit like his kind of, he's a gamer, like that kind of intangible that you can't really measure what he brings as like a leader and like the kind of the locker room guy. But yeah. So, and you know, I, prior to this game, I was kind of, you know, I wrote for Zoe coverage and I looked up all these numbers that how Zimmer had done against quarterbacks in their first or second year in the league. And he had been dominating them, you know, right. 14 and four record. Um, I think only two players had a passer rating in triple digits. Um, and only one had thrown for 300 yards in a game. And so it was, I mean, it's a nightmare for, for opposing quarterbacks to go up against Zimmer and, you know, when they're still young and still trying to get their feet wet in the league Even more so. and Burrow just, you know, took those narratives and threw them in the garbage. Um, and I think part of it was just, he's, he's a gamer and he's, he's got that team. You know, he's clearly the leader of that team already having not even started. I think that was his 12th or 11th start in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he made the throws when he needed to, I think there was, you know, he was still tentative to a degree, I think. Um, and I think, you know, there were plays where the Vikings pass rush disrupted him a little bit. So it wasn't like he played flawlessly, but I will say the stones, it sounds like based on everything I've heard and read, the the stones he had right to so that that fourth and inches where um oh my god yeah they went for it they're in Back overtime there. and it sounds like the original play call from Zach Taylor was a QB sneak and Burrow checked out of it into <laughs> the play action pass which is I respect the crap out of Joe Burrow for doing that because um I mean I'm sure everybody in the stadium knew it was coming and then it looked like even that 
as Zimmer said in the press conference afterwards, like, yeah, we had seen the Bengals check into a play action on fourth and inches before. And if you watch the play again, the Vikings are totally ready for it. They're totally ready for the play action fake. Um, Burrow just recognized that, um, you know, Xavier Woods kind of got lost a little bit there and it was almost snuck behind him. So, um, and the throw was absolutely money. So for, for a guy, you know, of Burrow's kind of status, right. He's his 11th start in the league, trying to get his team on the winning track, a franchise that's been pretty rough and a rough state lately. Um, overtime need to make the throw to win the game. Does it? I mean, that's, that's, that's the guy that I think we want the Vikings to have. Um, And it it just seems like, you know, you don't really get that with Kirk right now. Kind of, I mean, is Kirk going to check out of of the play there to something that, you know, it's my, it's a pass on fourth and short in overtime. Does Kirk make that? I I really don't think he does. I don't think he's got that maxi and that swag and that confidence that Joe Burrow does. Um, So that was, it's cool to see Joe Burrow do that. Obviously not against the Vikings though. Joe Burrow, of course, is kind of a the, the highlighted reason of how the argument as to why we're saying that Kirk Cousins' box or stats kind of lie. Yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow, I think we all would agree that Joe Burrow played the better game, right? He won. I think so. I think we all would agree that. 20 for 27, 261, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, the only thing that he was superior in to Kirk is, you know, quarterback rating, 128.8, and average per attempt, which I think is really important. And so, again, another thing that we always get. It's an efficiency measure. Yeah. Right. 9.7 versus 7.2. The volume numbers, are, of course, go to Kirk in this situation. But I think Joe Burrow, the efficiency, the situational efficiency, right? As soon as the Vikings went down and scored, so Joe Burrow came right back and lined his guys up, scored a touchdown immediately, yep. right? He gets the situation at the end to set up to, you know, the game-winning field goal in theory if Kirk doesn't come back and Greg Joseph doesn't hit that money shot for 53 yards. Uh, you know, he set himself, his team up to win time and time over. Um, the Vikings just got trampled by what might be the start of Joe Burrow's legacy. I think that's what happened here. You know, we've seen yeah, I mean, and Josh if, Allen, too, in the Buffalo Bills. Last if, if, uh, if Taylor doesn't go for that fourth down at in their own territory, Eric, the, end of the third I quarter, if it, I see that's I think that's dumb. You're up by 14 at your own 30. I think that's a little too aggressive. And if they punt okay, the ball away, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. if they no, yeah, that one, I'm not talking about the one in overtime. I'm talking about right, the right. one end of the third quarter at their own 30 up by 14 points. If they if they punt that one away, I don't think there's a comeback that even happens because the Vikings took that, got that ball and they scored a touchdown soon after that. That was the Thielen one to make it twenty one fourteen. That would have been the headline whatever. in the papers if Cincinnati loses this football game. By the way, that like the fact that he oh yeah so many times and then you know it worked out fortunately for him. Yeah, you know, was it three out of the four gambles that he took? Yeah, no, I mean, that's the one that everybody would be focusing on. Right. I don't think this would be a close game if they had punted that, to be honest. So, but um, it kind of, I mean, Taylor resumed himself by going for it there. And then Burrow helped out his coach with the, with the, the check at the line of scrimmage into that pass to play that ultimately won, won the game for him. So, cause that's the thing too, even if you get the QB sneak at midfield, you still have another 15 yards to go to get into a field goal range. So Burrow kind of was just like, yeah, let's just go win this thing. And I love that about him. And I, I'm jealous too of Bengals fans for that. I think the, you know, I think as a whole, the Vikings defense played a pretty good game. It's just, it's just those moments, right? They crumbled in those moments. And of course the penalties mm-hmm. hurt too. You know, that deep, like I said, the free play shot that ultimately was the defense. Also, Bashad Breeland was picked yeah, on. Not good. Not picked good. on. All um, game that, was just, that was a problem and it makes it that much more of an issue that Cam Dancer was enacting, which I'm mad yeah. about, by the way. Bad, and, bad run there, support, but... missed tackles all over. I mean, tackling Mixon seemed to be like the toughest task I've ever seen. Like, Stiff arming, you know, from him. stiff arming Harrison Smith to the ground. And like, it was just, I mean, Mixon's a good player, but it was, 
I, I didn't see that coming, I guess. So uh, obviously that was another piece of it too. Another piece of context to include here is that there's a bit more support from the run for Burrow uh, right. than, than cousins received, but again, you know, we can, you, we can bend it, the truth, however you want. Um, ultimately the Vikings lost his football game. Nice to see Michael Pierce with two sacks. I know we didn't mention that mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Kind of glossed over in a, in a, it's a, a, I don't want to say a bad or abysmal defensive performance, but it's somewhere between average and subpar. Yeah. Um, in that, within that, you do get five sacks, which is nice to see, especially from what this team was last year. You get two of them from Michael Pierce, who, of course, didn't play last year um, on that COVID reserve list. Harrison Smith gets that great sack. That was a lot of fun to watch. And, of course, Daniel Hunter returns and uh, immediately gets, you know, a sack to add to his, this, uh, his personal stat sheet. So that is one nice thing to look at. Um, I've mentioned Greg Joseph as well. Um, that's a great sign to see. I don't think any of us is like Also, that punt at the end of the, at that yes. punt. Yes, the special nuke. teams as a whole. Harrison Hand, too, going down the field and making key tackles inside, I think, the 15. Yeah. I mean, special teams, A+. Plus, a+, plus, even though the Vikings lost this game. Greg Joseph, special teams as a whole, looks complete night and day from last year. I'm very excited about the special teams. Yeah, I'm weirdly, like, now that I've been talking through this show, I'm weirdly more optimistic about and that this ends, loss okay, than hey, I feel this like is I important. This is a great segue because I'm. I, I feel you. And there's a good, there's an okay reason to feel optimistic. And that's because every other NFC North team <laughs> lost yesterday as well. And they look And that's bad. important here. Two days ago, I should say, yeah, this is important because yes, the Vikings schedule does make position them for this to potentially get ugly very quickly. I want to, I want to say that right now, if the Vikings, the Vikings are going to Arizona next week, then they get to come home and play Seattle and Cleveland. Um, that's before a rough about October 3rd. Yeah. So this could get ugly real quick. I want to point that out the, on the flip side mega reason to be optimistic here because apparently the NFC North is only playing 16 games this season. Green Bay, of course, gets dismissed by New Orleans yesterday, which was a, you know, a beauty to watch if you didn't have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams on your fantasy team like me. And then, of course, the Bears get, you know, they get destroyed by Matthew Stafford and kind of his introduction to the LA Rams. And, of course, the Lions are the Lions. They, you know, basically get destroyed by the four. They almost Bears. actually pulled off the most yeah, comeback, yeah, but that was it was never still, actually going to happen it was because it's the lions but it was kind of fun to be like oh this you know i will say a lot of teams so a lot nothing of people changed got, the vikings a lot are of technically people, in first place right a lot of people were upset by the way at the lions losing by eight versus more than eight mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying spreads that was a tough beat for some people not myself thankfully but <laughs> uh they but still wide open for us it's still fans. completely i mean yeah I mean, you, you can't you can't watch what the Packers did and and just think they're the crowns they're the you know they're taking home the crown automatically again. It's not. Did the Vikings now, play the best game in the NFC North of all four teams? I think that's everyone, what I'm saying. That's what I thought. I was like, like now the other side of this is the Vikings missed a giant opportunity to get off right. to a great start. They did lose um, to an AFC opponent though, which this that was it's a, so they're technically they're loss. technically leading. Like if there was like if the mm-hmm. season ended today, which. This is a crazy hypothetical, I know, but if the season ended today, they would be the NFC North champions. Which is hilarious. And true. Yes. Yes. But I will say this the Packers did this last year at Tampa Bay, where just a stinker of a game um, get blown out. And basically, every other game besides that, they look pretty darn good. So I'm not going to, you know, jump to any conclusions about the Packers yet. Um, but, you know, obviously, you can't. That's a that's the perfect way for our like for the season to start for Vikings fans. Besides, I mean, besides the Vikings game, but like right. the NFC, other NFC North teams, like they all lost, they all look print, they all look bad. 
So they got that going for us. If the Vikings can win eight, nine games this year, who knows? Who knows? If the Packers keep looking like that, they might not be, they might not get that 10 win mark that I think that they automatically do every year because of Rodgers. I think we all kind of felt the gut punch around 3.30, right? Like we all felt like the season was coming down immediately. Oh, yeah. We all felt that. But slowly over the course of the evening, you know, the afternoon game plays out, Packers lose. We already knew Detroit lost, but we kind of figured that would happen. And then yeah, slowly yeah. L.A. takes, you know, takes down Chicago. And the Bears are still expected. the Bears. Now, I will say. If the loss doesn't Nagy... hurt as much as I thought it would because of those two results. I'll say that. And, I mean, and this, like I said, talking through the the There's some good things. You know, the Vikings game. There was, there was some good things to take away. Uh, obviously at the end of the day, it all rides on cousins, which is always going to limit the team a little bit, but there's some good things that happened. Um, and the only thing I'm scared of now is, well, the Packers becoming the Packers again. Right. And Matt Nagy coming to his senses and finally starting Justin Fields and making him the full-time quarterback. He's not doing For it. Whatever yet. reason he's not doing that. And by all means, Matt, take your time. But my <laughs> word, like that's, I still cannot wrap my hand around that. I think they, you know, as far as the rest of the NFC North goes to kind of close this out is, is, you know, I think we all can agree that the Packers are me better than they were yesterday. Um, I don't think there's any expectation oh, yeah. that Green Bay is going to play like that all season long. Uh, Detroit potentially might be better, at least offensively than we thought. Um, Jared Goff might be able to operate the system at a higher level. And I think we may have given him credit for, but that remains to be seen. I mean, that's a solid defense that he put, you know, somewhat garbage time points, but to, you know, when you put up over 30, like it, you got to take notes. So uh, maybe a little bit better, uh, but Chicago, defensively they're bad. Defensively, they're bad still. For sure. For sure. And Okuda, of course, has gone with the Achilles. That's and right. He already mm-hmm. wasn't playing well as it is. Um, and then Chicago, until you put Justin Fields in, I think we, you know, we're all on the same page there. Uh, that's I mean, I, I'm not going to regard. I have no regard for Bears still and Lions. Open. It's still I open. Mean, the Bears without Fields or the Lions, I have no regard for them. It's just the, if the Packers can, if they could rebound or not after that. If they are a little bit slow again next week, then this is, in my mind, this is a completely different conversation. It's a bad loss, but it's not a backbreaking loss that we might have thought it would be. Uh, I'm not ready to burn everything down. Um, you do go into Arizona next week, and this is, you know, kind of to, to round out Man, the show here. Arizona looks real good. Really good. Yesterday. I was right. I was very right. Hand up, yep. pat on the mm-hmm. back. Yep, I was very right. Um, anything to close this thing out? Of course, we'll be focusing on Arizona and how the Vikings can prepare for that one and kind of the overall outlook on it later on this week. But to put a bow on this loss to Cincinnati. Um, it hurts, of course, but reason for op- optimism. Is there anything we did not cover that you want to point out real quick uh, before we move into Arizona and next week of, of NFL football? Um, I mean, I, again, I'm not, I, I don't like doing the whole ref thing because you need, you right. need to be able to beat Bengal without officiating help. But I do not know what down by contact means right now. But the whole Jefferson touchdown, that right. should have been a touchdown and the Dalvin Cook thing. Uh, with the fumble there, stands um, versus confirmed. It's so just annoyed like, by that. and it's just I did see someone make the comment too. I can't, I can't remember who it was, but they said the national TV games or the you know primetime games of the week or the you know Fox game, whatever the case may be. There's more angles there and more camera <laughs> angles to be had, and in a way, it right. puts a it puts you know like your Bengals and Vikings at this point at a disadvantage if a call is in question. Uh, so. Something to consider there. I'm again. I'm. I, this isn't to blame anything. We talked already about how the many reasons why the Vikings lost this game and probably should have by more than they did. Um, but just I, I don't know what down by contact means. And it seems like if you're not going to change 
like rulings on the field when they're pretty clearly not the correct one, then what's the point of going to review? Stands versus confirmed. That's very annoying. And the Vikings got two stands yesterday, which of course means that there wasn't enough evidence, which I think everyone that had two eyes um, thought there was definitely enough evidence to make a confirmation Mm -hmm. one way or the other um, there yesterday. Um, We won't dwell on that. Um, We'll move on. But before that, uh, I just want to point out, too, that, you know, great debuts for the most part, with the exception of Breland, who we mentioned earlier. Breland did make some nice tackles, just, of course, could not cover at all. Uh, But great debuts from Nick Vigil, who totals uh, 10 tackles, a couple for loss and a sack as well. Um, I think he was key on that fourth down stop there. Absolutely. There was no expectations for him. Uh, he just needed to go out there and replace Anthony Barr for a week. Um, he looked good. So, you know, kudos to him and the way he played. Xavier Woods was in the mix, too, with uh, an unbelievable pass defense the where he put the helmet right on the football. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. It was beautiful early in the game. So, you know, it looks like the Vikings got some ni- nice pieces here. Of course, Patrick Peterson was hardly targeted um, in this game because the, you know, Burrow was too busy taking advantage of Breland. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander drops an interception that might have, you know, I don't want, I think that's it might, right, I think right. that changes that. the game if Mackenzie Alexander doesn't drop that pick. But again, I don't want to dwell too Especially much on anything. I ended up going for a first down <laughs> and a touchdown after that. So that's right. Uh, it's tough. I, we don't want to play what if, but that sucks. Um, but I think that encompasses kind of what happened here uh, in a nutshell, if you will. So uh, we will be back later on this week to talk about Arizona. Uh, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, Chandler Jones with five sacks. My God, this is, you know, this looks dangerous. Uh, but we will do our yeah. best to yeah. prepare you for that later on this week. Um, and hopefully, you know, the Vikings are coming prepared because they're, they're going to need to be uh, playing uh, you know, yes. on the road against a team that just showed that they have as much firepower offensively as anyone. So um, we'll talk more about Mike Zimmer's defense of that and more um, later on this week. You can find us on what will that be Thursday, Thursday? Yep. Yeah, uh, sure. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Something um, like that iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast. If you prefer to watch this video, we will remain on YouTube as well. Um, and that's it. So. Uh, thank you guys for listening to us. Uh, make sure to. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention Daily Norseman. That was the other thing I always. That's I always think. That's the thing that I always mention. Good work here. Wow, this is a smooth uh, conclusion here. I mean, I'm dr- going good. back to my roots here of not knowing how to close out a show. So, anyways, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you later on this week. Oh.